This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming in, let's see if I get this right, Dermar Johnson, Chad Scott, and Chris Anderson. Only one of those is a surprise, right? Absolutely. Only, only one of those has a new job this week. Which is or good. No, only one of us doesn't have a new job this week, mm-hmm. yeah, well, which, is, which is good. Pending some university paperwork and processing, which I guess we can start with Demar Johnson. Didn't take long for Bob Huggins to conduct a national search and go to Cincinnati and find the director of player development, former player in the NBA, internationally, short time coaching in college, Demar Johnson. Terrific freshman season, lottery pick in the NBA. Kind of a, a unfortunate accident in his career, car accident. Kind of derailed him. Didn't make it back into the NBA, but played around the world for a while. And again, has been in coaching for a couple of years as a student assistant these past uh, one plus seasons as the player development expert, I guess. I don't know. At Cincinnati, joins the staff. Um, and then what was I'm trying to find the phrasing here because now my computer is not cooperating as I'm doing this. But as they announced him yesterday, press release from the university. It's press release season in basketball right now. If you're not noticing, Larry Harrison is enter the chat. We can get to that. But in announcing DeMar Johnson, they say that he'll be here soon, but not until all the policies and procedures adopted by the universities are complete. Weird. Like, I've never seen that before. Maybe that's a new thing with Ren Baker. I don't know. But my point being, DeMar Johnson is in. He'll be here soon once the paperwork is completed. And thus ends this brief chapter of drama at West Virginia basketball. Yeah, before we get into the the press release from Harrison and my thoughts on Johnson, I wanted to I really wanted to ask you about that because I can never remember a time where there was a hey a press release that said hey we're going to hire this guy but it's not done yet. Like I mean I mean they usually it usually leaks out that so and so is going to be hired and then it takes several days for all of the the things they mentioned there to be taken care of. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of stuff going on, NCAA um, stuff, school stuff, state stuff, um, the typical onboarding of a new job stuff. So it takes a few days. But usually it's like, wink, wink, yeah, this guy's hired, but we're not announcing it yet because we got to do all this. And for the first time I can remember, been doing this 12 years, 13 years, you've been doing it longer. I, they announced that they're going to hire somebody, but they got to get that stuff done. I, 
Is there a reason you think like, or do you think it's truly just like a, Hey, new regime, they're just going to go ahead and get it over with and announce it. And, you know, cause they know it's just formalities after this. You know, I would have been upset if I was sniffing around the story, just as hypothetically, it's going to be anybody, but since I'm me, I'll talk about me. But if I've been sniffing around this story and they'd be like, Oh, we're not sure. We'll see. And all of a sudden this came out with that paragraph. I'd be like, Hey, come on. Why'd you do that to me? Because if, if a reporter is on it, sometimes they'll put something out or sometimes they'll say, Hey, yeah, but not yet because i don't know all the policies and procedures adopted by the university for new hires are not yet complete and then maybe you wait and maybe they say okay it's good we're going to release in the morning something like that that's not uncommon i've never seen this paragraph in there before again it could be completely new it could be something that maybe he was going to be at the game wednesday chris like what if he's there tomorrow night um you're like wait a minute is that demar johnson on the bench (laughs) and then yeah that's our new assistant what well they got it out and then listen they needed something good to happen they needed some good news this is a hire they can um, it changes the talking points. It could be as simple as that too. I don't know. Like it's just the second paragraph in a press release. It seemed odd to me that I was there because you're right. I've never seen that before. I can't remember it. Um, I guess I got to ask, but it might just be as simple as that. Like you, he might not be at the game Wednesday. Now who knows? It might be a while before he's there. By the way, he has a job right now at Cincinnati. Um, that's not easy to get out of too. So some of that offboarding has to be done. The onboarding has to be done here. Maybe he won't be here Wednesday. Maybe he'll be here Saturday for the game. We'll see. Let's get into this, though, Chris, because um, th- this says a lot of things to me. One, Bob Huggins is not going anywhere. Um, he took a former player of his, someone that he's had a, a pretty good relationship with for the years. I'm pretty sure he's on campus right before the season started, too, just for a visit. Um, and pulls him out of the office, the infrastructure of Cincinnati, to be an assistant at West Virginia. Um, he's new in the coaching business. Again, just one year as an actual full-time staffer in college basketball. A good startup spot. West Miller, Cincinnati, coming into the Big 12. That'll be good for them. If Bob Buggins is retiring in May, I doubt very much he's talking to Mar Johnson and coming in just doing like an interim job here at the outset of his career. Um, as a coach, as a you know young, still young 40s coach in college basketball, that doesn't seem like it adds up to me. So I guess that answers one question. And the other one being, who's Larry Harrison's replacement? Jamar Johnson. I kind of, I, I kind of like it. Um, I'm, I agree with you that I think this is an indicator that Bob Huggins is not going to be retired in three months. Um, if that was the question, if yeah, I would say I, I know. I mean, just because it's discussed on our message board doesn't mean it's it's gospel. But I know it's it's been tossed around a little bit on there, uh, given what's going on this year. But I think. This is him kind of reinforcing that he's going to be around for a while because he wants his guy. And like you said, Johnson's not leaving a solid job to take on a three-month assignment and then be looking for a job again. Like That's not happening. Um, what do you think of the hire? I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on it. it. It's a roll of the dice, I think, but I think it's a good one. It's quick. It's not the thorough national exhaustive search. It's not. <laughs> It's not, but I mean, it doesn't mean it's the wrong guy. Huggins, like a lot of people, I'm sure, has a Rolodex in his head, and there's people he can get right now to salvage this season. If they went in an interim capacity with an Alex Ruoff, for example, or or someone, I don't, I don't mean anything against Alex Ruoff or someone, but to go out and recruit is difficult in that situation. To coach is difficult in that situation. You know, you're, you're a GA, you have to do the G stuff too, right? You have to do the graduate courses, and it's difficult. Here's a guy who can come in and is, is I would assume, going to be contracted beyond this season. So it was an investment of time and money. And 
it gets you back hold again for the rest of the season. It is not a white flag of like, uh, we'll get to this later on. And if you were, if you were, for example, not inspired by Eric Martin leaving on the time schedule, he did. And the West Virginia promoting Josh Eiler without really the thorough exhaustive national search. Um, the fact that they didn't just punt on this position for the rest of the year, I think that's indicative of a change. Number one, number two, Johnson was skill development. Um, a guard, a forward, I think he's like 6'9", too, right? Kind of like, he was like one of those first like twitchy swing players that I can really remember. Great compliment piece for that that dynamic Cincinnati team, too. But who might need some skill development right now? Would it be the guards and wings for West Virginia? Probably. Um, listen, this is a guy who's going to work and is not well-versed in all of the things that Huggins does offensively and defensively. Been a long time since they played together. He could teach people how to shoot free throws, how to catch in a shot-ready position on the perimeter, how to triple threat, like all that stuff. He can develop skills. He can get people back to basics. It might, at the very minimum here, if he can't do all the other stuff that an assistant coach is going to have to do on the floor, there's nothing wrong with him focusing on skill development because we have watched skills devolve and not evolve of late with scoring, shooting, passing, things like that. The one thing that's gotten better might be turnovers, but they haven't supplemented that improvement with other fundamental improvements. Worst case scenario, if he helps you out there for the rest of the year, that salvages things quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you were asking me the areas where you really wanted this um, assistant coach to help you out, like you mentioned, skill development uh, is one, recruiting is two, and you look at his resume and what he has done and what he has been doing like recently, and he kind of fits all those roles. When it comes to skill development, obviously – he knows the skills. I mean, he was a freshman All-American, an NBA draft pick, spent years in the NBA, uh, and then played professionally overseas after that. So he he knows the skills. He has been taught pretty much everything. Now, the next step is, and there is there are some people who can't do this, and there are some people who can. I'm assuming because he's already in this industry that he can, at least somewhat, is to take those skills and then tra- and transition them or pass them along to the next generation, to the younger players. He has to know how to actually coach. There are a lot of very skilled and talented players who don't know how to coach. Um, and a lot of people who are not skilled, but do know how to coach. It's it's the combination of both that you're looking for. And the fact that he is in this industry or in, in this profession makes me think that he at least has some capability of being able to pass along those skills and those teachings that he's learned over the years to these players. But there was one other piece here that caught my eye, and mm-hmm. it was I, I didn't really see it mentioned in the West Virginia press release, but I go back to the Cincinnati page mm-hmm. on his official profile and says he coordinates details related to connecting with former players. And it seems to that sounds to me like what was that role? Was that? No, Quincy Wilson was doing like high school connections, mm-hmm. um, but but some kind of role where he's connecting with former players to bring them back to Cincinnati to set things up with them, alumni events, all that kind of stuff. And that takes personality. That takes relationship building. And so if you're able to, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm reaching here, but I'm, I'm piecing these together and you're hoping for the best if you're West Virginia. He has NBA experience, he has NBA talent, Years of learning from the best, lots of connections from that. And then he's also being put at a very solid basketball program 
in charge of developing relationships and keeping relationships with former players. So he apparently has a good personality. It, it, it can connect with people. You combine all of that together. And those are the pieces you need to be a good recruiter. So, I mean, he hasn't done recruiting really yet, but he has, you know, you know the pieces to be able to be a successful one. He'll be fine in AAU basketball. Like I think yeah, I mean, he, he shows his thing. Hey, I was in the NBA. I was an NBA lottery pick. That That's 75% of the battle of, of getting the attention of a recruit. Mm-hmm. His um his roots in, are in DC basketball. So he he and I are about the same age, and in actually we are the same age. How about that? When he played for the DC Assault in the ninety late nineties, one DC Assault was like cream of the cream AAU basketball, and at about that time in that in that part of Northern Virginia DC, like the the games that those guys played were were fantastic games always. You know, whether it's like Damatha, that league, some of the Northern Virginia teams, Potomac, places like that. It was always really, really good basketball. But his, I'm trying to think if I had this right. His um AAU team with the assault had him, uh, James White, and Keith Bogans on it. That's high level talent there, and another Cincinnati connection too with uh James White too. But they were they were always good. And then again, like that's a guy in DC that everybody knew who he was. Granted, you're six nine and you move and play like Jamar Johnson does at that age, you're going to be recognizable for a long, long time when you walk into gyms. That's got some staying power too. DC's not been a place that's done a ton of recruiting though. They could, they haven't done that yet, but I don't think that you think AAU necessarily as just your, your, your geography too, because you play in those sneaker circuits and you're up and down coasts or across the country too. And if you're in one system, you know, a lot of people too, that was around the time that became like a big thing, but He's still so popular there, too, that he's going to have he'll be able to plant some roots there, I think, in, in recruiting, too. The one thing that's not known yet is and again, this is not his fault. This is where the sport has gone. We've mentioned this with the basketball staff, which we'll get to excuse me, the football staff, which we'll get to. But the transfer portal is so important. And in football, you want coaches who can bring some people with them if you're going to hire someone. What can they get out of the portal? Who can they get out of the portal? Also recruiting too. where do they recruit? What high schools do they know? What parts of the country do they know? If you apply that to basketball here, you know, does he have portal connections? Maybe not. Not yet. He's just so new to this as as a coach or as a staffer. And can he get the recruiting in high school in AAU? I don't think I'll have as hard a time high school AAU. And fortunately for him, West Virginia does have like a dedicated, you know, transfer portal um, setup with Jay Koontz and, and what they do over there. So he doesn't have to carry that baggage too. So it's not a bad transition for him. Come in. Focus on the skill development, learn the offense and defense and how to coach, which, man, that seems like a big undertaking, but okay. And then use the offseason, get into the portal, get into your grassroots with your high schools and your AAU connections, see what you can do. No reason it can't work. It's quick. It's a quick fix. Um, But it kind of had to be, too, if you're going to salvage a season. If you're going to do something where you fly people in from around the country, you go to a coach's convention or whatever, that's going to have to wait a while. And like, I don't think they want to punt on this season with that position. So this gets them back whole again. And again, if it's not the end, then you really can't judge this move. If there's another one after this, you kind of have to bookend everything and figure out, you know, who's on the ends and what's in between. And this might just be a piece in between, not the end. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. 
It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think this is the first, like you said, the the midseason move. And then maybe you see some more movement or most likely you see some more movement after the season on this coaching staff as they try to kind of fortify things and, and, and figure out what the future is. Kind of kicking myself, Chris. After the mention of James Long, we got a bunch of people saying absolutely not. And that's that's for different reasons we don't have to get into. There are going to be people who are strong for James Long and strong against James Long. We don't have to go into that. So I started to think, okay, well, who's someone that can come in and salvage this season? Because I did understand they wanted to hire somebody this season. So I looked at him, and then if you try to do like a Bob Huggins coaching tree or former players who are coaching, there's not a lot. And you want to figure somebody who's going to be available right now. Like he's not going to get somebody off his staff. Um, so you're looking at like, I was trying to think of the guy's name, uh, like uh, John Lawyer, who was at with him at Cincinnati and was like the interim coach of the Pistons. He's a scout with the Clippers now. That didn't make sense to me. Uh, John Brannon was a guy from Northern Kentucky that they're not former assistants, but Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, there's relationships there. They played his teams when he was at Northern Kentucky. I believe he gave Darius Nichols his coaching start. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Chris, but some familiarity there. Had a bad ending at Cincinnati, but think he's a Dayton now as like the director of ops. So like, that's what you're looking for is like people who have a connection, but aren't really full-time on the sideline coaches right now. They can come in. You can leave a scouting job. You can leave an analyst job or whatever, a basketball office job in college of the pros. If you want to be an assistant coach in college again, like the only player I could really find was DeMar Johnson. And like, I just, I never gave it a whole lot of thought because he just didn't seem like he was terribly experienced. And here we are. I mean, days later, I'm not going to say that I was like, pursuing DeMar Johnson as a candidate, putting him on a hot board. I just knew he was there, but I knew he was just so new to Cincinnati that it never clicked. But it got me to thinking, it's kind of a fascinating thing about Huggins trying to search and reinvent right now. If he asks, is it going to be offseason? What is that search going to look like? Is it connections? Is it coaching tree? Is it player tree? Or is it somebody who is best fit? Doesn't matter. Allegiances doesn't matter. Background. Um, it could be a guy like Johnson, but it could be someone that you know, it might not theoretically make a version 1.0 hot board, too. If there's more work to be done here, I think it'd be very interesting to see how Huggins puts this together. My first thought was when when we discussed last time around about, I don't want to say wholesale coaching changes, but trying to figure out what was going to happen to this coaching staff was the best bet is to just pretty much find the best recruiters. Go younger, 
and better recruiters mm-hmm. on your coaching staff. And again, we there there is no hey, this isn't. I'm not saying this is a slam dunk. I, we have z- zero, zero, none, nada, you know, evidence that Demar Johnson can recruit. We don't yet. He hasn't had a chance. Maybe he ends up being one of the best recruiters ever. Uh, I laid out a few minutes ago that he has the qualities to be a good recruiter. So maybe he will end up being one. So he went younger. He went with a guy who has qualities to be a great recruiter. And I'm interested to see how that works out. And if they take a similar approach to the next hire or the next move, if there is another move, which again, I'm kind of assuming there will be, but also think it'll be after the season. Mm. I think he's going to have a lot of connections in the high school coaching, AAU coaching industry. Probably knows some college people too, if it gets in the transfer stuff, but um, yeah, that's going to be what are his bona fides in recruiting or transferring and things like that will be fine too. Um, interesting question, brief amount of time to be addressed and answered and answered really quickly here too. And we'll see when he's, when he's in town, it could be Wednesday. I doubt it. Maybe Saturday. We'll see, but sooner he can get in, get in, make an impact and get them whole again and, and do what they have to do be fine. And then get them on the road recruiting after, you know, they have a lot of Saturday Monday games coming up at the end of the year. Um, Coaches will be gone after those Monday games. Sometimes they won't come home. Sometimes they'll spend some time on the road. Getting him in sooner than later is, is certainly a good thing here, too. And, and again, I think it's it's indicative that they're going to keep trying this season. They're not going out without uh, – they're not going out with an excuse of, well, we didn't have a whole staff. Like, we're hearing all these different well-actuallys about the team. Well, actually, it's hard to put a team together when you have so many new players. And, well, actually, we'd like to play our freshmen more, but we can't. I don't think they were going to do that with this one here. And, and if, if this helps – if this helps freshmen and sophomores develop – and maybe they can help later at the end of the year because their skills are getting developed and polished. Hey, that'll work out fine. Um, other sport, Chris, other side of campus. Hope, 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 hope. Oh, yes. Would you like to take two minutes or more or less? Okay. On yeah. Larry Harrison's statement. I, I'm, I'm happy for him to get something off his chest and to most importantly, to say that he is not in any NCAA trouble. Um, someone could have done that for him and maybe he waited. Uh, somebody could have given some answers to the questions that are being asked about him, and they didn't. And he wasn't going to wait anymore. He could have certainly had um, harsher language. He could have said more. He didn't. So good for him for, I'm sure, I'm sure, came to the intersection of high road and low road and went high on this one too. Um, and also without saying some things or was saying just enough, um, he also asked some questions too, and I'll let you get to that. But my response is uh, not a surprise. This is the way we are nowadays. A lot of people come to him and say, Hey, do you have anything to say? He waited. He didn't add the story right away and, and turn one thing into seven. But even by waiting a couple of days, he does turn, turn it into a little bit more than it had been or had simmered down to be. But I think, you know, the, the farewell, thank you. Those are all fine, but the, I did not do anything wrong. And I wish I knew why I was gone. That does take this for another spin, I think. Yeah, that's 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 the meat of the statement, and I'll read it right here. This is uh, from his statement. I wish I had an explanation to share with you in regards to my unforeseen dismissal, but I do not. However, I can assure you that I am not the subject of any NCAA, criminal, or other investigations or violations. I read the university's statement that the decision was made in the best interest of Mountaineer basketball, I can only assume that some important people believe that to be true. Woo. Um, listen, Rem Baker went in there and punctuated the sentence. Like he went in there and took care of the termination. That's about as important as it gets in the athletic department. 
beyond that is like your provost and president of the university. Not sure that Marianne Reed and Gordon Gee had their hands on this one. This this does make Baker look interesting um, with his involvement. Real or um, exaggerated, we'll see. Like, I don't think it's unusual for him. We've, we've done this before, but why he did it and why he was involved, I don't think it's terribly unusual as people talk to me about this. So kind of like part of the job description. You're at the fire guys. Sometimes you're at the fire guys for people who don't want to fire guys. And he did it. But that quote by Huggins about I wasn't as involved as perceived to be or portrayed to be and then not talking about it since then, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And this does not end the story there. I mean, it, it at least gives it some life that had had kind of expired in the past couple of days. Like, oh, that story is kind of tamped down a little bit. By the way, they're on five and Big 12. Maybe we should worry more about that. And who's going to be the assistant that replaces Harrison? And you get those answers and all of a sudden, yeah, important people want me gone. I'm sure he thinks of Bob Huggins is important, but I think the word important kind of transcends Bob Huggins in the situation. But maybe I'm reading that wrong. Well, maybe you're not reading Bob Huggins at all. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the one person, the one thing not mentioned in here? Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. Mm-hmm. Thank you to players, boosters, media, alumni, friends, fans, coaches. On and on and on. Mountaineer Nation fans talking about the loudest house in the conference. Uh, to both past and present players, et cetera, et cetera. Not one word about Bob Huggins in here. It's curious. It's unfortunate. Have the do-over. You would do it differently, I'm sure, but you don't have them, so you try to make it better with subsequent moves, and I'm, I'm not sure we're doing that right now between statements that are given after the fact, you know, read from a piece of paper, shared on social media. It, it does keep this going where, again, could have been handled better. We'll see. Speaking of could have been handled better, may I move on, Chris? You may. <laughs> uh, Hotboard remains undefeated. Chad Scott was one of your early names. Um, I, I will try to find the DM here as we're going along, but just recently I said, hey, by the way, Chad Scott's going to be the offensive coordinator. And what strikes me, Chris, is you and I are both like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like we we had some ticker tape cut up and ready to throw around because this was like something that we broke and scooped or whatever. Like, it's just kind of understood. This is probably going to be the way it was especially as other things started to come out with who they talked to, who they could not come to terms with, and then how late we are in the calendar here, too. Um, a lot to say on this, but let's just begin with the the one, I guess, good for Chad Scott. Good for the offense? Question mark? Maybe. I mean, I, it's hard to know. I mean, it has I don't believe he has ever called plays. Um. But hold on, before we get going here, are we under the assumption that he is going to call plays? I love the outrage about he has never called plays before, folks. He's not calling plays. Okay, that's right. That's... I mean, they haven't they haven't said that yet. But like, we're gonna have a end of the year news conference with Neil. He he's vowed this um around a basketball game. So heck, it may be Friday for all I know. But they're gonna I doubt it because they won't have a full staff by Friday unless they hire someone to coach quarterbacks. Which by the way, that bet is not made yet. But anyways. I just they're going to have this news conference and I'm going to ask who's calling the plays. And I promise you, we will get a convoluted answer. It will not be me. It will not be Chad. It will not be that. It'll be, well, we're going to go in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and we're going to come up with ideas. And then as things go, we're going to figure out what's best for the team and like, okay, but who is physically calling in the plays, right? That's I don't I just we're not going to get that answer because we never really have apart from when Graham Harrell was here. And it was very obvious. This is not a Graham Harrell situation. They didn't bring somebody in. Um, to coach the offense and call the plays, who's never done it before. 
the prone person who has coached before here and called the plays is Neil Brown. And we've, we've mentioned before, it's, it's easy to understand and difficult to blame someone who's in this position, trying to control the power on his own. And I, I just, I don't know if we'll ever get him to come out and say that, which I don't know why he wouldn't come out and say that, except that it's a perceived step back for whatever, maybe progress he thought he made or was thought to have made last year. I just don't know, but it's a question that has to be asked. I don't know if we'll get it answered, but like nothing we have heard from the very beginning and all the breadcrumbs we followed and dropped that eventually led us to Chad Scott will be the offensive coordinator. Well, Chad Scott is the offensive coordinator and everything in between. So the Brown will be calling the plays again next year. And um, does that mean that Scott isn't building the offense and doesn't contribute? No. Ultimately calling the play is a pretty big part of college football offense though. And that's why there's a focus on it. Yeah. I, I think until we get the answer to that, you know, the, um analysis on this might be incomplete uh, i am okay with the hire and i know there's going to be people that are upset about it and it, and for reasons that that i understand it's it's just one of the, and it's nothing about chad scott i think that has people upset it's just that after four years of sub 500 ball and bad offense you know people are going to look at this and be like wait so then your answer is a guy who's been involved for the last four years with a sub 500 ball and a bad offense. Understandable. But how much did Chad Scott have into that? How much is he going to be involved in the changes that are presumably coming to the offense this coming year? Um, you know, he got, I can't remember. Did, do, you, do you remember when he first started? And I don't think this was the case. I'm almost certain it was not. He was not the run game coordinator his first year. Correct. Like that Ooh. came later. Uh, I know at one point he was, but to be honest, the original staff, I can't remember, but I knew he did have that title, but I want to say that maybe they gave him that because they plucked him from the Louisville staff, right? Yeah. They did. Just yeah, taking he was, the job at Louisville, right? As right, coordinator, he, I believe. Um, so I don't know. I, I like, I don't know how much is involved in the run game coordinator, how much say you get in that kind of stuff. Cause like you noted just a couple of years ago, it was everybody gets together and, and, you know, uh, Travis Trickett has some input into it. And Matt Moore has input in Sean Reagan has input and Jared Parker has it. And okay, sure. Whatever. I don't believe all of that, but I don't know what to think about how much he's been involved in the offense, but I understand why, why fans might be like, Hey, are you just going to keep the same guys and make the same decisions? Don't know. I think the offense is going to change you. I think you think the offense is going to change. I think most people, believe it's going to change and maybe Chad Scott is the guy that can lead that change given the experience he has in the position he coaches continuity matters sideline continuity great they've had a lot of time together um, Brown and Scott continuity in the field really matters too and that running back room is so loaded that you really worry about one or more players leaving and this is one way to keep that part whole. I think I just, those, those players really, really like Chad Scott, who who had a really good year last year too. Don't get me wrong. Like sometimes you got to promote a guy. And even if he's not going to be the guy calling plays, he'll be the offensive coordinator. I just hope that people understand that offensive coordinator is not necessarily the person calling the plays. Like there can be a delineation there too. And the offensive coordinators can still be really influential and can make changes that the offense needs too. So um, I, I will, I will do this in print, but if you go back and look sometimes where Scott, and Brown were together. The offense was not what you're going to see next year, most notably Texas Tech. But times when they were together, the offense did work well, most notably Troy. And you look at some of the running backs they had in the quarterback position too. They made it work, and 
yeah, they were they could be okay at Troy and not have to overwhelm with explosive plays and dynamic offense. And maybe they weren't explosive or dynamic there because their talent, let's say. Kind of a similar situation at West Virginia. Like they may just have to be efficient and good at what they do. And if they can find the people who know how to make that work, and that's going to be important too. Now, what they do with um probably quarterback, but maybe tight end. We'll see. Sean Reagan's like your your swing piece there. He's a switch hitter. He can play one position or the other. Maybe that helps him. But um I guess we go to this, Chris, as we wrap up. It's not been the most inspiring hiring process, I would guess. And if they run it back with almost everybody but Graham Harrell, what's really changed? And, and how do you believe that this is going to be be better? Because even with the portal hall so far, you still have some some wait and see on that as well. And I think a lot of people will be like, well, I mean, this is the byproduct of the coaching uncertainty that you have going into a very important season. And, and I wonder if that was just something that people reach for right away because that's an instinctive reaction when this offseason begins. And then I wonder if people who maybe were not thinking that way before, if they've come toward that line of thinking because of the way things have gone since then. So on your point about the you know perils of having a coach on the hot seat, and trying to find new coaches uh, in the early, early days of the Tony Washington stuff, even before like we broke the news that, that he was leaving, I, w- I got the heads up on it and I poked around on it and I talked to a coach at another school and his comment to me was, God, I'm trying to find the quote it, in an industry with no stability, finding stability is key. Mm. And you know what he means by that obviously is yeah all these contracts are one year two years one you know maybe three if you are top of the line and or and if you're head coach if the guy above you if your boss gets fired you're out even if you have another year or two years on your contract so that was part of the reason that Tony Washington left he had one year left on his deal and nobody nobody's leaving West Virginia for liberty no offense to liberty like all other things being equal like nobody's making that move um but you are making that move if it's hey we're paying the same we're about the same and you're pretty much guaranteed to be here for three four years instead of one and and if you have a family kids and stuff like that like you you need to be able to support them and to have that you know kind of quote-unquote guarantee of an extra year extra money that helps and so it is, I assume, I very much assume that it was difficult to go out there and try to convince high-end candidates to leave their current job and come here right now. I mean, you're basically saying, hey, I can give you one year and hopefully we knock it out of the park and then maybe I can give you another year. But it's one year right now. I'll write you a contract for two, maybe three, but... You're guaranteed a job for one year, and that's about it. Um, that's a hard sell, Mike. Like that's it, hard to convince people to come over and take that job. So I imagine it was difficult to get high end candidates for those positions if they were even interviewing some of those guys. Because again, from the very beginning, we heard that you know Chad Scott, Neil Brown, kind of keeping in house. You reported on the Clint Trickett interview, but that was for QB coach, not necessarily offensive coordinator. So it's tough. It's tough right now for them to try to get get some new hires. 
Well, I think Trickett would have been your your QB coach slash OC. Like that's as I understand that. So they did try some different options and they, they kind of came back to one they had before at the beginning, which again isn't wrong. And similar to Johnson, like this this may be the bookend, there may be things in between that we still can't judge the finality on. So so give it some time. But um I mean, you got people who were like, Hey man, they probably should have promoted Jamal Adai, and then he got away and what he did since then looks like it's pretty good. Well, I mean, Chad Scott could be somewhere else right now. I'm pretty sure if he didn't want to be here he's done enough and he's accomplished enough and people know him that if he was really ambitious for his career, he might be looking somewhere else, but you kept him and you moved him up and maybe that helps you on the field. Maybe that helps you in the wins column too. And you don't know unless you try sometimes. And if you're running out of options, sometimes the option that's right in front of you, it just gets bigger and taller and brighter and more hard to ignore. And um, it doesn't make it wrong to acknowledge that sometimes. And, and there's nothing wrong with familiarity. And if you can, you might not go as far right away, with familiar stuff, but you might be able to progress easier when you know who and what you're working with. And if you do hit hurdles, you you figure out your solutions quicker. And this is not apologetic stuff. And I'm not doing like sympathy for the devil here, but like there, there are explanations beyond what we struck out. Good coach. who's done some good things past couple of years. Maybe he's earned his opportunity too, just because he hasn't called plays doesn't mean he can't. A lot of people get their first chance somewhere. Maybe his first chance is on the power five sideline in a do or die year. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't, but, um, and can I get 30 seconds real quick on that? Because I, I agree with your your sentiment earlier that oh. he's earned it. Um, if you ask me what were the two positions on this team that have played the best out of, say, the last two years, maybe the last three or four, I would say defensive line and running backs. And the defensive line, you know what happened there? Jordan Leslie got the defensive coordinator spot. Yeah. And the running backs, Chad Scott has now got the offensive credit. If you have success, if your room does well, if your position does well, if you're coaching your position well, you should be rewarded for it. And Chad Scott has done a bang up job. That running backs room is loaded. Every single person they've put back there has pretty much found success. And if you ask me right now, what room would you like to be coaching? Which one is the best set for the future this year and the future? It might be running back. So he earned this, he deserved this, and and I don't I don't think it's a bad hire, and we'll have to see how it goes. Neil Brown, offensive coordinator, Troy, 2006, excuse me, 2008, 2009, before that, two years, inside receivers coach. He earned the promotion, did really well there, moved up into the Power Five, head coach at West Virginia. There's a path, and sometimes you got to get started. Looks like they gave Chad Scott their start there. We'll find out as this evolves, basketball, football, always news. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.